You're listening to Climate Update, a podcast brought to you by the Climate Change Institute of the Australian National University. Hello and welcome back to Climate Update. This week we'll be discussing coral bleaching. We'll talk about what causes it, how it relates to climate change, and we'll learn more about the Great Barrier Reef bleaching incident that happened earlier in 2020. I'm joined by Dr Jenny Malala, Environmental Ecology and Marine Specialist from the Australian National University. So Dr Jenny Malala, thank you for joining me today. It's a pleasure. So we'll start pretty broadly. Um, Would you be able to tell me a little bit about what coral bleaching is and what causes it? Sure. Um, Coral bleaching is a coral's response to a stressful condition. And a stressful condition can be heat stress or sediment stress or even really cold water events. Um, And what happens when a coral is stressed Many people don't realize, but a coral is part animal, the coral polyp, and part plant, which is an algal symbiont. And they have these symbiotic relationships where the coral gets most of its food requirements and energy requirements from the actual algae, which is living within its coral tissue. And they use this energy that they get from this algal symbiont for growth and repair and reproduction. And when the coral is stressed, um, this symbiotic relationship breaks down, for example, due to increased heat stress from ocean warming. And these microscopic algae actually leaves the coral host. And this is when you see the corals start to go pale because it's these algae that give the coral the amazing colors we typically see. And when the algae leave the coral tissue, the polyp tissue, what happens is you can actually see through the tissue to the white coral skeleton below, and that's why they become white and pale. So you say that coral bleaching is um, linked to the coral being stressed, and this can be due to heat events or extremely cool water events. So would you say coral bleaching is quite strongly linked to climate change? Absolutely. We're living in an era where ocean temperatures are being – we're – breaking records every single year when it comes to increased temperature and ocean temperature. And corals can't withstand these elevated temperatures for significant periods of time. The way I often ascribe it to people is if you were to sit in a sauna for an hour and come out, you'd be fine. If I were to leave you in a sauna for a day, you would be feeling really quite sick and possibly be hospitalized. And If I were to leave you in a sauna for an entire week, well, you'd probably die. And this is what happens with corals as well. They are animals and they can only withstand a certain temperature range for very short periods of time if it's elevated. So would you say um, as oceans are getting warmer due to climate change, is coral bleaching happening more frequently? Absolutely. Um, If we think about the Great Barrier Reef and Australia, we have had three bleaching events in five years. That is unprecedented. We've had a 2016 bleaching event, a 2017 bleaching event, and this year in 2020. And the first mass coral bleaching event that we documented was in 1998. 
And since then, all around the world, we've been having increasing incidents of coral bleaching and they're happening more frequently and they're becoming more extreme. You mentioned the coral bleaching um, event that happened earlier this year in 2020. Uh, What percentage of the Great Barrier Reef was impacted? Do we know the scale and the severity of this event? Well, we know that about 25% of reefs across the Great Barrier Reef bleached severely. And when we say severely, what we mean by that is 60% or more of all the corals on that reef bleached. Corals can recover from bleaching if the water temperatures return to normal and they are in good, clean water. However, it will take us several months to ascertain what the impacts of that bleaching have been. But it's fair to say on those reefs where 60% of the corals have bleached, that's really extreme and many of those corals will probably die. Um, We have seen some recovery in certain areas, but typically what will happen to a coral, it will bleach. And in some cases, it appears to recover, but because its energy resources are depleted and because it's had a stressful situation, they're often more prone to disease. So even if they don't necessarily die directly from the bleaching event, then they can then have indirect consequences and die from coral disease and other variables that might happen within the next 12 months. And also then I suppose if coral bleaching is happening more frequently, that gives the corals that were did perhaps have an initial chance of recovery less chance because if there's another bleaching event within a certain amount of time, that I guess would be an added stress on them that might prove too much. Absolutely. When we think about a coral reef, we know that they have evolved in systems that are prone to natural disturbance. For example, you could think about a cyclone and Typically, a reef needs somewhere between 10 and 20 years to make a full recovery. And different species will grow at different rates. So we have fast growing species and then we have slower growing species that may only grow one centimetre a year. And bleaching isn't indiscriminate either. It tends to target certain species. Um, For example, branching corals, which provide us with a lot of the structural complexity on a coral reef. We think of those as our canaries in the coal mine, and often they are the first to bleach and die. So you can think of your staghorn corals or your table corals, all the acropora corals, basically. And they provide lots of structural integrity, lots of little branches, And that's where often juvenile fish and other marine organisms will live and hide out. And without those, our reefscapes become very different visually and we lose a lot of our complexity. We hear a lot about uh, bleaching on the Great Barrier Reef in particular. But of course, there's there's many more reef systems around Australia and worldwide. Um, How much are they being impacted by bleaching events? When you hear about a mass coral reef bleaching event on the Great Barrier Reef, it's fair to assume that 70% of the reefs worldwide around that number are also being impacted by the same event. The Great Barrier Reef, because it's a World Heritage Site, gets an awful lot of press. But even if we think in an Australian context, we have Ningaloo Reef. We have reefs as far north as Christmas Island and Cocos Keeling. And... Because the bleaching event happened around March when we were all going into lockdown due to um, COVID-19, there 
hasn't been as much information coming out as we would normally expect, but I have been speaking to people in the Indian Ocean, for example, on Christmas Island, who have been reporting levels of bleaching happening. It doesn't appear to have been as extreme as the Great Barrier Reef, but we're waiting to hear back because that information isn't coming through just yet. So what are the prospects for coral reefs worldwide as we are experiencing rising temperatures from climate change and what can we do in maybe the short and long term to um, reduce the incidence and severity of these bleaching events? It's really quite simple. If we want to protect and secure coral reefs globally for the future and for future generations, we really need to solve the problem of greenhouse gas emissions. Um, We need to reduce our carbon dioxide pollution and limit global temperature increases. Um, We can do, there are a number of small scale initiatives that are being trialled to protect small reef systems, but reefs stretch for hundreds and thousands of kilometres. For example, the Great Barrier Reef is 344,000 square kilometres in area. There's no way that we could attempt to restore that entire area by transplanting corals or even trying the cloud brightening technologies we've been seeing people use. That works for a very small area and if you have a reef on your doorstep that may work but these reefs are so important and they're so interconnected for fisheries, for tourism. We really just need to limit our carbon dioxide emissions. Jenny, thank you very much for joining me today. You're welcome. And thank you for listening to the Climate Update podcast. To stay tuned for our next episode, you can follow us on Twitter at ANU Climate or you can check out our Facebook page at ANU Climate Change Institute.